0: I am excited to introduce our guest today, the first being a Bitcoin expert, open source coder, and author of four different Bitcoin books, Jimmy Song, as well as commercial litigator supporting Bitcoin and co-host of the Inside Bitcoin podcast, Joe Carlosari. Gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Oh, and of course, P is here. Hey, guys. How's it
1: going? Hey,
2: guys. Glad to be here.
1: Incredibly glad to have you. Going well. Jimmy. Oh, you're muted, Jimmy. We can't hear you. And you're incredibly backlit. You look like you're kind of like in a CIA informant video where they're gonna have you on a voice distorter. Still we muted. We still can't hear you. And you they, took he took off the,
2: the hat. T- he took off the hat to hope it would unmute him. Holy shit.
1: Okay. While we figure out Jimmy's <laughs> microphone, I have a brief story to tell, which is when we were at Bitcoin 2022, Jimmy Song was on the news desk and I walked by where I scooted by because I was on this little like zippy electric scooter. And, uh, you know, cause I was doing all the programming and I saw this person and I was like, who is that handsome man shilling knowledge? And of course it was Jimmy Song without his hat. And I had no idea who it was because without that hat. All right, Good can member. you guys hear yes. me now? Yes, there yes, we is. can.
3: All right, all right, that's better. Oh, sorry guys. Sorry about that, guys. Also, I apologize for the poor lighting. I am traveling, and I don't have my usual studio with me, and I won't for a while. So, the, I, I mean, my normal lighting... Uh, actually, you know what? There, There is a lamp here. Maybe I can use one of these. And, uh...
0: Yes, that lamp worked.
3: <laughs> no, right, Jimmy, see. I was just saying,
1: I'm into it. Oh, mm-hmm. nice, that actually did work.
3: All right, there we go. All right, how's that? Beautiful, you look good. Okay. Gentlemen, right, good I,
0: pre- I appreciate you both taking the time to join us. Um, you know, when P and I were discussing what to talk to you guys about yesterday, it seemed like everyone had gone on vacation. There was no news stories going on. And then we wake up this morning to the IRS trying to slip a little something by everyone and Liz Truss stepping down in the UK. All at the same time, another block has come by and Bitcoin continues to chug along. My first question, I want to talk the topic of the UK because they have been in the news every single week. Joe, does Liz trust stepping down have as much of an impact as I'd like to think it will.
2: It's certainly going to have an impact. I think it just speaks to the fact of how dysfunctional and how much of a mess they're in, both fiscally and monetarily. And, you know, for my part, it just shows that nobody is willing to sit in that chair long enough to do what is really right. And they, it's like a revolving door at this point. So hopefully, you know, I always try to be an optimist. I hope that, you know, maybe it'll be of cause to put in place somebody who's going to be willing to do the hard things, which is fiscal and monetary discipline over there to get things in order. But, you know, that's going to take pain. And people don't like pain, which is unfortunate, but I guess they've delayed it for as long as can be at this point over there.
1: Can we just give a brief description of what exactly happened in the UK? Like who this trust is, what the timeline was, and why this is a
2: significant event? Looking for uh, me to do that?
1: I, I, I mean, can, you, I can you just... absolutely can. Q Ken, Whoever, Jimmy, you can jump into whoever feels the most passionate about this topic.
0: Why don't you go I, ahead, Q? I'm just going to give an overview <laughs> really quickly of about two months ago. Boris Johnson, rumors started to swirl that Boris Johnson was going to be forced out. Essentially, the Conservative Party slowly started, their leadership started to step back and say, we no longer support Boris Johnson. And in, in which time he essentially stepped down as prime minister because the conservative party in the uk still holds parliament they get to select whoever is prime minister next they had a runoff election that was not voted on by the public but rather voted on by the parliament members themselves liz truss ended up winning this election about 45 days ago was instituted as prime minister and during her tenure decisions or policies that were introduced included a tax cut for the rich that sent that sent the pound almost a parity with the dollar. Quantitative easing was reintroduced, only to then have tightening brought back on the table, and then easing was reintroduced, and tightening was once again brought back on the table. All at the same time, last week we saw the British, I believe it was the 30-year bonds, correct me if I'm wrong there, Joe, Yes, the 30. Uh, cro- crossed above 5%, signaling that yes. there is almost no liquidity in that market that There are no buyers and the interest rates continue to push higher and higher. It was like that
2: weird episode where there was a communication basically to the pensions. You have three days to figure this out, which was totally bizarre. You know, get it done somehow, you know, and of course they can't because you can't unwind positions that big in such a short amount of time.
0: So for me, I see this as one of the most clueless financial policy initiators, if you will, just finally saying, hey, everything I do is wrong, so I'm going to step away. And it, it's not as rosy as I make it seem. But in no no span during the last six weeks has, in my opinion, Liz Trust presented something or done something for their financial policies that was like, oh, that's a good idea. That's what you should do next. It seemed like it was a lot of entitlements, a lot of bailouts being introduced, a lot of tax cuts. This seems pretty antithetical to Joe, to your point, like the pain that we want to see policymakers be willing to live with based on their decisions. Um, to your point, though, like we'll see if if someone gets put into a position to actually make those decisions. I know that based on UK law, they shout out BTC Gandalf, who like walked me through all of this this morning. The Conservative Party is just once again going to vote on their new choice for Prime Minister.
2: Yeah, I think Boris Johnson's in the mix too to come. uh, (laughs) He's he's back.
0: Yeah. So I'm just saying, if Boris Johnson does become prime minister again, Donald Trump will become president in 2024. Like that's just, that's the circular loop that we are It's the circle of life, the circle of political life. Jimmy, I I feel
1: like, I was going to say, I feel like, you, you know, you, we spend a lot of time talking about sort of the, the way that the fiat system corrupts, what should be a much more just and reasonable system. I'm curious if you have thoughts here related to, you know, this specific topic.
3: Well, I mean, Great Britain, you know, UK, they're they're just a complete mess. And, you know, you got to realize it's been what, like 400 years of their central bank sort of like ruling over all kinds of things all over the world. And it's been a very, very long time. And you know, uh, their pound has uh, even like 100 years ago, it was $5 to a pound or something close to that. I mean, you're you're now looking at parity as like a realistic thing coming up in the next six months. I mean, this is crazy. And you know, the devaluation of their currency sort of indicates their place in the world. And You know, if you look at history over the last hundred years or so, hundred twenty years, you know, they've been an empire that's been on the way down. And if you look at the UK, what I see is the US's future because the US is not gonna hold this mantle that long either and the UK has, you know, tried very desperately to hold on. And they're still a financial hub for a reason, and part of that is because of their colonial history and The empire that they once had but you know it it's all kind of coming home to roost you know i I think it was margaret thatcher that said that you know at some point you run out of other people's money to spend and that they're very much at that point they don't they don't have colonies anymore they they, they, this is 50 years of ridiculousness coming home to roost and in, in a way it's kind of appropriate because there was this monarch that was there for like 70 something years and then she dies, and it's it's all about to fall apart, you know. And yeah, uh, you know, it, it's what can I say? It's they they are the epitome of a fiat government, fiat system, and they they've been running it longer than anybody. And it's no wonder that they have like so many socialist policies, so many stupid policies, and it's coming back to bite them. And they're they're gonna they're finally having to pay the piper. What can I say? Yeah,
2: two two things real quick. That, to Jimmy's point, it's interesting. He brought up the pound, and the pound sterling literally was a pound of a, a pound of silver, right? Like that's a, that's generally how it came about. Which would be you know in today's dollars, like you know two thousand, three thousand bucks uh, approximately, which is amazing, right? Uh, shows you that the, how it's been debased. But interestingly enough, what, my takeaway from watching this all is is not only in in the UK, but also in Central Europe, Southern Europe, you you see the fact that this hiking policy that's in place by the Fed is really disproportionately affecting the weaker players on the global scene, right? It is affecting the, the countries that don't have the privilege of the dollar. They're breaking first. Which is why the DXY continues to rage, and there's this global demand for dollars. So that's fascinating to me. That you know, from our perspective, the 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 countries out there that are really struggling are you know we're so U.S. focused mostly. They might it might be emerging markets. It might be you know the, the Southern Europe, Italy, Germany, the UK. Those might be the first pillars to sort of really struggle.
0: I think, Joe, you bring up such an excellent point, though, because like while we're talking about the UK, like this happened in Italy. What? 3 months ago this yeah. is going on all over the world in different ways we see we saw the crisis in Sri Lanka back in May we're seeing uprisings in Iran against the regime against these powers that be the general theme that i'm sort of connecting all these dots is that people are fed up with the decision makers and the decisions that they have been making my question however is where do we including
2: go the U.N., by the way, Q, including the U.N., who's literally like, hey, guys, stop raising rates. You're breaking the system apart and you're going to hurt the you know, developing world.
1: I mean, wait, who is the U.N. saying that to
2: the U.N. literally put out sort of this go Google it, P, uh, about this U.N. recommendation that they slow these rate hikes because it's putting too yeah. much pressure on emerging markets, which is amazing, right? Like the UN, you know, say what you will about them, but I, I don't recall ever them commenting on monetary policy. That seems really strange, right? That they're saying, literally you guys got to slow down the hikes.
0: Well, well, Joe, I mean, you, know, the- you know the uh, joke about what was secretly going on behind closed doors is it's not just the UN asset. that, it was the UN, the IMF, the ECB, and they right. all were doing it through the public media. And it felt like a signal saying, hey, Jay Powell, you're not picking up my phone call. So this is what we're trying to tell you. And we're just going to broadcast this to the whole world because you're not taking our phone call. And I mean, look, the U.S. Federal Reserve has not said or announced any deviation from their current policy plans. Of, Of course, by the time we hear about it, that'll be too late. They'll have already made those decisions and they'll have already stacked their bags accordingly. But I wonder if there is an opportunity for policy decisions to get made or if this is really going to come down to a genuine revolution or a revolt of the people as we're starting to see it grow in places like Italy, in Eastern Europe, and throughout the Middle East.
2: Jimmy, any thoughts on that?
3: (laughs) I'm trying to think of like how things play out, but the thing is like politics is always Kind of a weird game to predict. I mean, you 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 have people that cheat, you have people that sort of strong arm in situations like this. But what we are definitely going to see is more turmoil. And I mean, I'm in Europe right now, and I, I can definitely tell you that there's a lot of discontent. You know, I, I'm sure you guys have seen all the protests going on in Italy and in France and in Germany. All these places, like just huge crowds showing up and saying, you know, what the hell? Like all the prices on everything are going up. And the thing is, like for us in the U.S., we're feeling it kind of the least because the Fed is at least like hiking to like sort of keep inflation under control a little bit everywhere else in Europe. It's just, you know, I mean, they, they can't they, they can't afford to largely because of this crazy war thing and the you know energy crisis that they're about to enter in this winter. So. You, you got a lot of different things coming to a head here. And, you know, every government has been honestly pretty stupid about planning for the future. And this is part and parcel of a fiat mentality is to, hey, I, let me just get through the next election. Who cares about, you know, what happens 30 years from now or even five, six months from now when I'm not in office? That That's what's happening. And a lot of, a lot of these places are starting to wake up to the fact that these politicians are not paying attention at all to the long term, you know, sort of uh, consequences of a lot of their policies. And, you know, I, I I, think in an environment like that, Bitcoin becomes a lot more attractive. But I mean, who knows? Like, it, it's difficult to predict, like, what's going to trigger it. I don't think anyone would have figured out in 2011 that, you know, a guy self-immolating in front of, like, you know, some guy, some judge's house or something like that in Morocco would set off the Arab of Spring. And it, it could be something like that. But what I can tell you is that there is popular discontent all over the world, and you know, even places like in East Asia, all that all the elections are going like, you know, all, all the liberal and far left parties are kind of losing, and I, I expect that to be a pattern because. They're the ones that did the stupid green energy stuff that has, you know, essentially put Germany, France and all these other places in an energy bind. You know, a lot lot of immigration stuff is a big deal in times like this. You know, you're you're going to see a lot of turmoil. And honestly, it had to happen because look at what we did since coronavirus. That that, that was some of the most ridiculous things. That I could have ever—I I don't think anyone could have predicted what what's happened over the last last two years, two and a half years. So, I, it's all coming home to roost. What can I say? That, and it's it's going to get worse before it gets better.
2: Yeah, to Jimmy's point, I'll just say, you know, obviously that Italy had their elections and and the right wing party swept and did incredibly well. But in addition to that, I was noticing this morning one of the popular predictive websites for the elections coming up in the states in America, predictit.org, there was a rapid move towards a Republican wave like this morning. I think it was like a fifteen point bump for a Republican takeover of the Senate and the House. I don't know what really triggered that, but there seems to be some companion action in the betting market. So, yeah, I mean, you could be entering a very sort of a backlash period where people just say, "That's enough. We're we're fed up with it." And honestly, that's probably what it's going to take to get policymakers to really wake up, unless they're really facing incredible pressure. You know, they're going to continue to just kick can the can down the road.
1: One thing I think is, I was going to say, I think we should talk about the fact that that the 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 lifetime salary that is associated with
0: her position. Do you want to speak to that? The Liz Trust stuff? Yes. So apparently, and Liz is only going to be the sixth ever prime minister to receive this, um, but the prime minister gets paid £115,000 a year for the remainder of his or her life. Not a bad, I think, contractual stipulation given you worked for 45 days and almost cratered your country's economy in just such a short window. Jimmy, I feel like this is the most fiat thing like ever invented i'm gonna caveat it like u.s presidents get this as well like donald trump gets this george bush bill clinton they all get this as well like i guess but i think i I know how you feel
1: the short duration like it's like how long was she in office 45 45 days 45 days and then gets this amount of money for the rest of her life that is Insane. Also, well, I think the, so. the,
3: thing, the, the thing that you're going to have to remember is that all of these numbers are going to look quaint in like five years when you have way more inflation, because this ain't stopping, guys. Last time we had something like this was the 70s, and it lasted like a whole decade. And that was, you know, getting off the gold standard onto the petrodollar standard. I don't see how we avoid something like that for a while, because, I mean, every politician is going to want to spend more money to kick the can down the road. That means more money printing. You know, you you still have inflation going on. You, I don't see how this stops because uh, I mean, you you saw what happened in the UK. They had to print or else their entire economy was going to go bust. So the only way to keep the grip going is to print more money. US hasn't hit that point yet, but I I I can't see how it 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 can avoid that really. And you know, the more pressure you have on with war and things like that, the more everyone's going to be tempted to go print. So. You know the hundred and twenty thousand pounds or whatever. That's gonna look like you know, I don't know, ten thousand dollars in like it's gonna ten be years. Chump change. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all gonna be chump change, and all it, it's those people that it hurts the most. Uh, all the pensioners and people like that that thought they were set for life by you know negotiating these things and union contracts or whatever. It, it, it's it's going to hurt. I, I'm sorry. And I I don't know how you get out of that. Cause I mean, imagine being a pensioner in like 1969 or something, right? Like <laughs> good Would luck, like beating inflation over the seventies.
0: Well, I'll, I'll start with Joe. We'll I'll give this question to you and then same question to Jimmy, but say you guys had the opportunity to just get rid of one policy one law in place and in the US, what would it be and why?
2: That's an easy one. You need to have a sensible energy policy. As much as it would be great and utopian to move to this green energy policy, you need to recognize that the vast majority of the economy runs on carbon, and you need to figure out the ways to harness that and effectively and and promote as much domestic production as possible. That I think is the number one thing you could do from an economic standpoint. Aside from that, our tax policy is just an absolute disaster. There's just you know, as someone who advises clients not on tax issues but in the corporate setting, I can tell you that the the there's, it's, it's disproportionately harming middle class and lower class people the way the tax system is structured. And they need to fix it from top to bottom. It needs to be much more simpler. You need to cut out uh, all of the, the, the loopholes that exist and, and, in my view, help perpetuate you know, the fiat standard.
0: Jamie, same question to you.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the obvious one is the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, and that, that, that set in motion a whole bunch of stuff. The the other one I would say is the 16th Amendment, the one that allowed for an income tax. Before then, it was considered illegal, I and mean, I think it still should be. That you, you, you If you reverse the income tax, then you destroy a large apparatus of government. You, you have to make some insane amount of cuts. You get rid of a lot of rent seekers. They have to produce something useful instead of being middle managing bureaucrat red seekers so i bo- both of those would be fine with me but i the thing is like neither of that is going to happen anytime soon and the reason is because everything is entrenched and the people that are sort of like run the deep state and things like that they're they're not going to let any of that happen i mean like there are members of congress that have been trying for many years to audit the fed they, they can't even get anywhere they don't know they don't even know who owns the fed right like, like it's 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 not the federal government it's these consortium of banks we don't know exactly who gets the you know six percent dividends or whatever that they get paid at we we have no idea and it's probably the morgans it's probably probably the rockefellers like they, this all shadows stuff child. that nobody nobody can find out anything about because it's all buried underneath everything. And according to Ron Paul's advisors, when he, when his, uh, his staff went around the Congress, like asking, okay, like, can you tell us who does it? It was considered impolite or, you know, like, you know, like committing a faux pas to ask those questions. That That's how embedded this stuff is. Wow. So, you know, all the, the money is the most corrupt thing and you fix the money, all of this kind of, you know fixes itself. I mean the federal government should not have a department of energy at, at all. Like what what the hell is it, it its business, right? Like why are they telling us how much energy we can consume? You you're essentially restricting all the entrepreneurs that want to try different things. This is why we don't have, you know, a nuclear powered you know planes or something like that. Like there, there's all the all this technology that gets held back as a result of you know, federal policy and regulation and stupidity. so, you know, all of that stems from the money. I've been saying this for a long time. It's you fix the money, you fix a lot of different things because now you have to like have a rational budget in the you know U.S. Congress instead of, oh, let's just spend $3 trillion more than we have. There's no way anybody could do that with a sound money, but they can do that when you control the money printer the Federal Reserve. So those would be the two that.
0: Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. If you're like, this podcast is brought to you by our sponsor BitMEX. BitMEX is one of the biggest supporters of the Bitcoin space in the last decade, actively donating to developers and putting out some of the most cited research articles. What you might not know is that BitMEX recently launched a brand new spot exchange and mobile app that takes the experience of buying and holding to the next level. We know that, especially in uncertain market conditions, you need an exchange that is trustworthy and innovative. Sign up at bitmex.com today check out the BitMEX blog for some great market insights and stay tuned to our podcast for more from their team. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.
1: Can you elaborate on just the the? You just mentioned like the sort of energy. I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but the energy commission, Department of talk, Energy, Department, Department of Energy. There we go. Can you guys elaborate on that? I actually don't know anything about it and why it's fucked up and how it influences the the way that we use energy in this country.
3: Well, it was set up in the seventies as a response to the gas crisis, right? Like we we had like oil prices and stuff like that. Now that a lot of that was because of the emergence of the petrodollar and. The demand for dollars and oil as a result of that. But, you know, that that that's another whole part of the story. But they created a Department of Energy to sort of try to have a unified energy policy. And, and that's led to disaster because essentially what they have said is, well, we want you to go green. Forget about the economics of everything. Forget about the market. Forget about what people want. Forget about costs or prices or anything like that. We're we're going to centralize the decisions of energy. And this is where it gets you. And Europe went even further, right? Like with, with Green Party and, and Germany taking control. They shut down basically every nuclear plant and stuff like that. So you you get idiotic policies as a result of top-down centralized. We're going to make all the decisions for you, kind of, kind of, kind of uh, economy that you have in energy. You know, U.S. has been a little bit better, but that's largely because of you know, like sort of historical things with oil and stuff like that. New technologies like nuclear and stuff don't get, haven't gotten developed since the 70s, largely because of the Department of Energy, right? Like they, they basically made it harder and harder to build a nuclear power plant, and you know, as a result, now it it takes like I don't know, 7 years to set one up and a lot of it is just the checking boxes on some bureaucrats form. It's uh, I mean this, this is why you know we we haven't progressed and you know you you're still using the designs from the 70s and you know there's so many other ways in which nuclear could go but no one no, no one lets anybody do anything because the government controls this stuff.
0: I want to expand a little bit more on the topic of energy because we see the conversation coming out of D.C. heavily around the amount of energy Bitcoin uses, proof-of-work mining just continues to be thrown at, thrown as sort of this boogeyman of different types of mining. Joe, I'd love your thoughts just on any any of the regulatory efforts around proof-of-work mining goes both within certain state legislators as well as nationally?
2: Well, f- the first part's easy, that the forefront in the battles you're going to fight, I believe, in the next six to 12 months all relate to local policies. They're far more nimble. They don't have to deal with the gridlock in Washington. Given where the political calendar is and the election coming up next month, it's altogether likely, as I alluded to earlier, we'll have an entirely new Congress. So they're going to revisit things and I don't really expect much to come of the executive report, particularly the ex- executive report on you know energy usage among quote unquote crypto and Bitcoin that we talked about last month at length. So th- th- I really think it's a non-starter. I don't think anything's going to happen in the lame duck or, until you get a new Congress sworn in and they'll probably take it you know, a totally different approach on that. Hopefully they deputize someone like Senator Lummis to lead the charge on uh, looking at any, pol- any energy policy. I would prefer they do nothing, quite honestly, with proof of work mining at the federal level. However, we do know that there are some pretty left of center, places like New York and elsewhere, where it seems like they're going to be moving rapidly in a continued basis to try and impose additional restrictions on proof of work mining. I think some of those are going to be subjected to legal challenges. So I expect once those laws are in place, folks like myself and others who I've already been in contact with are eager to challenge them in court. And, and the constitutionality of those and other applicable encroachment on federal energy policy. So it's going to be a battle. It's going to be localized, in my view, to begin with. Eventually, you may get something out of Washington, but I'm not particularly expecting anything anything in the near term.
3: Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I don't think there's going to be anything that's going to happen anytime soon. I mean, the election is literally like two and a half weeks away, three weeks away, something like that. And we're, we're expecting at least one of the houses of Congress to be to be republican at that point you're going to have some level of deadlock that's possible that joe biden goes and you know throws executive orders around all over the place and stuff like that as a way to you know subvert congress or something like that but that's a great way to make sure you don't get elected in 2024 so i i don't know if that's going to necessarily be the way that he, he does things. But you do have some regulatory bodies that are probably going to be tempted to push the envelope a little bit. And who knows, you know, like, deadlock periods are when they try to sort of like consolidate their power and, and things like that. I, I I don't know if that's going to happen necessarily with these regulators, but that that is always a possibility because they're unelected officials, essentially, that get to set policy, which I... Like, again, it, it's, uh, it's fiat, rent-seeking, bureaucratic craziness that's, uh, that's only enhanced by fiat money. And these people have jobs only because you can print money out of thin air. I, I, I agree with Joe that I, I don't see anything happening, at least in Congress. I think much more prevalent over the next, you know, like soon as, you know, Congress changes stuff like that going to see the Hunter Biden laptop story that's going to take the headlines for like however long. You're going to see, you know, Ukraine energy deals and stuff like that. Maybe something about the war there. And, you know, like all, all that stuff is going to become much more of a scandal because the Republicans are going to have power and they're going to attack the president like any, any other, you know, Congress that's in the opposition party of, of a president is going to do. So, I, I don't see. I, I see that totally fizzling out at the earliest. You revisit it in 2024. I don't think any sort of ban is going to really happen, at least through Congress. It's possible a regulatory body tries to do something, but yeah, I, like political wins, at least the, at the moment, I really don't think that's going to happen. It's also possible that somebody cheats somewhere, and then you you have a unit party government that does something before you know they get kicked out or something. But I, I really doubt that's going to happen.
0: So. On the topic of rent seekers jimmy you know joe i wholeheartedly agree with you that we can't we can't just switch over to green energy overnight it, yeah however it feels to me that the reason we have stopped further development into other energy sources like nuclear while at the same time like further cementing our places like we have to use carbon fuels like that's just the way we designed our systems is because we have so many lobbyists from these oil companies sort of blocking policies, being these middlemen, middlemen, I mean, the rent seekers to say, hey, all these government funds around energy need to go back to carbon energy sources. And if we were to reinvest further and sort of not necessarily deprioritize carbon, but reprioritize other energy sources do you think that this sort of conversation around energy use is bad could dissipate as a result?
2: So for my part, what I'm consistently sort of upset about is the fact that globally there there have been, there's I don't have the exact number, but I know it's in the trillions. There have been trillions of dollars of incentives that have put towards quote unquote green and renewable energy, right? And given the trillions of dollars of investment, in terms of overall energy productions, it still makes up you know a tiny fraction of global energy production, right? So that tells me that you you need to incentivize it organically in the market. You're not going to trigger this through government subsidies alone. What I'm encouraged at is things like Bitcoin, right? Like I think that provides a natural market-based incentive for renewable and green energy, right? That would promote it naturally because if you can mine and can be profitable based on some renewable source. That's win-win, right? You both provide an economic incentive to develop and expand that that support to the grid without taking money from taxpayers to sort of subsidize it. And who knows if that goes to some you know waste of waste of space, right? You know, un- completely unproductive investment. So I, I, I'm all in favor of market-based solutions to incentivize renewable and green energy, and I think that's the way it has to go. I'm I'm not as inclined to support governmental-based investment in green and renewable energy, because I think a lot of that is just a boondoggle. It's just giving money to privileged people who have access.
3: I, I really don't think green energy is really that useful. I've said this before. I've written about it, and you know, there's a lot of resources that you can go and read about, but green energy is an altcoin. That's that's basically what it is. It's all completely it's subsidized. It's yeah. an altcoin. Oh, it's completely- an altcoin, it, it's, it, it's been subsidized by government in all sorts of ways. And the costs are completely hidden. And they talk about, oh, you you could get this many cents per kilowatt hour or whatever. But that energy is not at all steady, right? Like, especially wind and solar. It's only available during the times when the sun is out or the wind is blowing. It, it's it's a complete, like, boondoggle. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it makes the grid worse. And, and you, you should be... Putting that money towards other developments, like nuclear, for example. The other thing is that oil. I, I've been reading a lot more about oil recently, and they're they're not innocent either. In fact, uh, the establishment of the Federal Reserve was largely due to Rockefeller, uh, John D. Rockefeller. He he was he was president of Standard Oil. The Sherman Trust Act dissipated Standard Oil into many many. Different oil companies, among others, like Exxon, you know, Mobil, and I, I forget, Standard of Indiana, I think might have become Sunoco. And there was one from California, which I can't remember about anyone from California, the main, main gasoline company. Anyway, the, these I were think. all companies. That, that was John Rockefeller's thing. And he wanted to make sure that his money, he, 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 he and his descendants would keep a lot of the power. So the Rockefeller people... Along with the Morgan people, you know, essentially designed the Federal Reserve system. It, it, you can go read about the creature from Jekyll Island or Rothbard's, uh, you know, History of the Federal Reserve. But both are very good books on the topic of what what exactly happened. So oil has had sort of like political control for over like a hundred years, and and they continue to to some degree. And this is why I think nuclear has had such a tough time. It, it's been under government regulation, a very tight government regulation since the 30s and 40s, basically, like when when it all started. And the thing is, it's it's got way more potential than any of this other stuff by like orders of magnitude, you can have a single nuclear power plant that does, you know, as much as like a solar panel that goes across like the state of Delaware or something like that. Right? It, it's you could have like enormous solar grids and you can have, or you can have like one small nuclear power plant. The, it, and this is using technology from the seventies. If you use like better technology, try to figure out different ways to, you know, capture all of this energy that's there. It, it, I mean, we'd have way more prosperity. And the thing is like the more efficient we are with energy, the more productivity we have per person. The reason why we don't have something like 70% of the workforce in farming is because We have all of these machines that are really, really, really good at doing the labor that used to take thousands and thousands of people. You have a single machine that could reap the harvest of an entire field with just one person rather than thousands of people. This is is why energy is so so important for humanity. And the fact that it's been sort of like, you know, made to be evil to produce energy, to, to consume energy... Is, is just how far we've gotten from recognizing the benefits that energy actually has. I mean, civilization used to be very difficult and very hard. I mean, imagine like sewing your own clothes. Like before 300 years ago, most people had like three, three changes of clothes like at any one time, right? Like that was it. That, that, and that was for like a relatively well person. Most people had one change of clothes because clothes took so much energy to create. Then they came up with like an automatic weaver and automatic spinner and things like that. The word spinster, for example, comes from all these women that would have to spin thread all the time. And a spinster was literally women spinning thread. That was what most people did, right? Like they either worked in agriculture or worked on spinning thread or whatever. And, you, and each piece of clothing would cost what, what would be the equivalent of like $5,000. It's not the case anymore. You can get a shirt from Banana Republic for 10 bucks. That, that, that's how, that's what energy gets you. And that's that's something that politicians, unfortunately, with their fiat, like rent-seeking sort of mentality, think that, oh, if I demonize this, I'll get a little more power. And they, they have this zero-sum mentality towards everything and demonize things that are actually productive for society. And that's, that's, that's where, we, we, where we come. So all of this ran to say, is that people have no idea about energy and their thoughts on energy do not come from first principles. They come from demagoguery and they have no idea what the hell they're talking about and they really need to get educated. And I have no problem saying that to, to the vast majority of the people on the planet that do not understand you know, how, how we got to where we got to as a result of the energy production that we have.
0: Yeah, I could not agree with you more
3: it's such a shame
0: when are we announcing and and forgive me i don't mean to put jimmy as president and joe as vp but like is there going to be a song carlos Sari 2024 ticket like how how do i vote for your policies jimmy
3: could not pay me enough money to go something like that or to make me do. i do not want anything like that ever in my life you you could not pay me you, you could give me 21 million bitcoin and i would say no Holy
0: shit. Wow. All, right. right. all the money in the it's world. You decided you would still say no.
3: I would say no because, like, what kind of a life is that? Do you, do you, I mean, look at. These life. are all, like, sociopathic, well, Jimmy, psychopathic people that do this anyway. So, you I, could take I, I'm the gig
2: like me. like, like Liz Truss for a couple weeks and get that, that sweet pension, right? Well, I, yeah. oh, I, I also Just have a couple some weeks, morals right? and
3: I would not, not like to rent seat, please. I would, I would much rather like make money on my own, enjoy my life. This is why I'm on this trip, right? Like I'm hanging out with my family in Europe and getting to see the Vatican and La Pieta and the Sistine Chapel and David and all this wonderful stuff. That's way better for me than running the freaking country and having to deal with the deep state and, you know, media that hates me. I mean, like I get enough hated as it is on Twitter. No, thank you. (laughs)
1: That's what you would say if you were really in Europe, just to, you know, figure out the situation so that you could take those trusts place. What about you, Joe? Would you, would you run for president?
2: No, not, not, not with the current state of affairs. After a Bitcoin standard, maybe it'll be a different story, but things are too messed up now. I I can be more effective in what I do, which is advocate for people in in court. So I'd prefer to do it that way. Um, But. I, I really wanted to get into one thing, if, if that's okay, if I'm not yes, doing yes. this conversation. Did you all read this actual order regarding the knot piece? I don't know if, if, if you've gotten through it, but there are some amazing portions of it that if you haven't, I highly commend you to take a look at. Have you, have you well, seen give this? Give us the highlights.
3: What are, what are some of the things that they said?
2: Well, one of the things that's really interesting, they talk about specifically the Civil War, and they bring up BSV, and they bring up you know cash, and they actually even talk about you know let me pull up the actual order while i'm I'm talking here but they actually even bring up the version of the you know where i guess huddle not called craig wright insane or out of his mind and they talk about how well clearly if he's claiming to be satoshi and he has unwilling to show evidence of it that could be you know fair and fairly considered somebody that's insane but i thought it was interesting how the judge took the time and really did her homework and recognized this for what it is, which is you know a contested civil war and somebody who's who's trying to manufacture evidence after the fact to support his position. So you know, let me read you one section here from page four from the actual order. You'll like this one, P. I think. Okay, if it'll load. Okay, yeah. As mentioned, big, where is it here? Bitcoin is built on the principle, don't trust verify. And the core of the system is transparency and verifiability in all transactions. A number of people in the Bitcoin community are therefore skeptical that Wright does not sign with keys that belong to Satoshi Nakamoto or otherwise document that he has or has con- had control over these keys. Wright has not been willing to do this. He also claims that he now has no opportunity to do so. He has given several explanations for the reasons for this, which the court does not go into further. So that. I like that portion. It's clearly the judge showing, you know, that she's understanding the fact that he's been all over the place with his claims of why he can or cannot sign the keys. And she really did her homework. I mean, the whole order is 27 pages. You should take it in. Let me just pull up this part where there was a comment about him being insane, which I think is funny. Let's see. Okay. Here statements that are defamatory in isolation and statements must statements are defamatory in isolation and the statements must be viewed as a whole. There are several different condescending valuations combined with factual claims about Wright's state of health, quote, clearly mental ill, which is one in one of the the tweets from 2019 and factual claims with accusations of fraud, that he's a sad and pathetic scammer, a fraud, a fraud himself together with calls for participation in the in the passing on Hollow Nuts message. It is significant that these statements made on Twitter with the use of a hashtag and therefore suitable to reach a large audience. And then he goes on to say, the court says that given the fact that he appears to be manufacturing some of these evidence and some of these claims, clearly it's not unreasonable for Hotala not to describe him as mentally ill because if that were in fact true, based on the information we have, that would be fairly within you know what would be protected speech under Norway law. So I thought that was interesting. The judge really did her her homework on uh, putting this together.
0: Now she, especially during the the covering of the trial, she seemed as though she actually understood Bitcoin, at least to the degree in which you need to understand it to properly determine what the hell is going on between two people who had an argument online and now that's turning into a a legal debacle. It goes to show you just what can get you in trouble depending on how much money one party has and how much time they have. Joe, one thing that we kind of... We touched on it a little bit during this trial, but there's a degree where, like, we in America have, I think, a little bit more freedoms to discuss openly this trial, and we're protected by the First Amendment right. This isn't necessarily the case all around the world. Can you maybe just touch on sort of why or? how significant and important something like the first amendment is to protect all of us. And I cannot believe that I'm literally asking you to define the first amendment, but like, that's where yeah. we are because I think no, we take it for granted. No. And this is it, it, this a perfect reminder of that.
2: It's incredibly important. It, it is one of the paramount rights that we have. And I, I would say that, you know, although I'm not an expert in the 200 plus sovereign states in the world and there are all their different laws, I, I think that we're near the top in terms of our respect for freedom of expression based on, you know, just anecdotally what I've seen globally. And that's really important. It's really precious. And it's important not to jeopardize that. And, and right now you've got censorship, not only coming from, you know, the government side, but you increasingly have censorship from our, you know, our digital overlords that control centralized platforms like Twitter and Facebook and social media. So for my part, you know, I think it's so important And this, I actually, you know, go, this goes back to Bitcoin, why, why it's so critical is because, you know, at its core, freedom over, how to you control your finances, freedom over your money is essential. And it's an underpinning of, I think, freedom of expression in general, because I think David Chom talked about this, that, you know, you you may have to pay in a society for information. And if you ca- if censorship of transactions can be conducted, you can't get the information you need to have informed beliefs. So, you know, that's, that's really, I think, what is core of Bitcoin, why Bitcoin is so important. Bitcoin is a reinforcing tool, from my perspective, to promote and safeguard freedom of expression. And yes, it's all great to have the court system and don't believe me. I'm a, I'm a big believer in a court system. I'm not, I'm not cynical of it. I know that people, you know, in the Bitcoin community generally hate lawyers. I'll just tell you that I do believe that the long arc of the United States court system, court system does bend towards justice. There can be miscarriages of justice along the way, but I do believe we can move towards and have a better system if you fight for it in court. And for my part freedom of expression, freedom of speech, these sorts of core tenets of a democratic and civilized republic like we have, I think those are going to have to be fought over. And we're going to have to fight vigorously over the next decades to pr- protect them. And Bitcoin is going to be right in the center of that. Bitcoin is going to be at, a, at its core, a safeguard that's extra legal, extra contractual, extra beyond beyond the standard system to safeguard those rights. So that's my view. Jimmy, I,
3: I I don't quite hold the uh, I guess faith in the legal system that you do. I I, I, I don't see it as I think whoever right? has the money right. gets to win. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's basically an oligarchic system in the in the courts where you have you know completely baseless claims like Craig Wright being able to harass people as a result of having a rich backer like Calvinnaire and uh, and you know he gets to continue to do this in large part because you know he has money and
2: not and in the U.S. bring so. all sorts of not in the US I mean he, he the suits I mean, would never fly I mean, in the u.s I,
3: I'm sure I'm sure if he if he could figure out a way to do it he, he would do it and, and it's not like he hasn't done anything in the u.s he had that BS copyright claim or something like that to the white paper that he registered in the US and I was like, oh, now, now I can sue people for copyright or whatever. Thing is like you you have some evil people that can take advantage of this system, surely like because there are just so many holes in it. And you know, I, I, I become more a fan of English common law and you know, figuring out, you know, a, and Stefan, uh, Stefan Kinsella talks a lot about this about how a decentralized law is a lot harder to overturn than centralized law. So instead of, you know, legislative body that's on its laws, if you have judges case by case figuring out, hey, this is more in line with natural law, or this is what's just, then you you get sort of like a body of law that becomes more and more just over time. And it, it does sort of like have that arc that you were talking about, where you bend towards justice, instead of you know ridiculous entitlements that congress just sort of makes up out of thin air or or whatever that that to me is horribly unjust and uh, the miscarriages of justice at at the legislative level at the executive level those are way worse in, in many ways than than you know what whatever single trials that that end up happening so
2: i don't well, know we, we still I, have a common uh, law I, I, system I, I, here we still have a common law yeah, system you know
3: Right. I, to some degree, to some degree. I, I, and the, I, I just find it horribly unjust in many ways, because it's been used against the poorest and most vulnerable people in the world. And they're, they're the ones that have trouble getting justice. If you're, you know, Deshaun Watson, you're going to be able to defend yourself from almost anything, right? Like, I mean, he, he has how many people accusing him of really inappropriate things or whatever? Yeah, he could defend himself because he's he's got a quarter billion dollars, right? Like, but but you know if you're if you're poor and you do the same thing you're you're gonna you're gonna probably go to go away or be bankrupt or all kinds you know like all kinds of evil is gonna ha- happen to you so in a sense the system is not just because it favors those that have money over those that don't and I I find that pretty terrible still
0: I'm sorry I couldn't hold myself back because Jimmy th- there's a degree of truth but I do want to highlight like. I think there is some degree of optimism to be had given the fact that Hodlnacht doesn't have the backing of Calvin and doesn't have as deep a pockets and in turn was able to see or at least have the judgment read by someone who at least was going to think about this holistically, maybe through natural law, maybe through common sense, who knows.
3: Uh, that wasn't natural law. That was, that, that was a bunch of Bitcoiners. And you know, he, he had the benefit of getting, capturing some of the attention economy. There, there are tons of people that suffer miscarriages of justice that don't have any money and don't have any attention. If you have one of those two things, then you can get some level of justice. If, if, if you're a very poor person, but if it's on the news every night, you're, you're going to get some justice for whatever it is uh, that happened to you. But if you're, you know, somebody that's poor and can't get any attention, Puddle not got a lot of attention, right? There, there was tons of people donating to him and stuff because they saw the miscarriage of justice as it was. But there, there's a lot of people that don't get that and they suffer every day and they, they, there's, you know, rich people getting away with a lot of stuff and you know that that that, that's just sort of how the justice system works at this point there's definitely truth
2: to what you're saying jimmy and there are miscarriages of justice i will say that that you know i know personally and in many lawyers that i speak with there's there's thousands of people you've never heard that have gotten free legal representation that's top-notch. You know, I think mm-hmm. in my records last year, you know, for no money, we took, I personally built like 300, 400 pro bono hours where I didn't take a dime uh, and gave them top-notch representations and people, including people in the Bitcoin community that you've never heard of that I pursued cases on behalf of. So yes, there's absolutely miscarriage of justice, but you know, in designing a system that's controlled by human beings that are inherently flawed. There's always going to be those situations and tell me a better system than the one we have. I'd love to see it because ultimately I don't think one has been created or designed yet.
0: Joe, I know we're coming up on the end of our time and I want to be respectful of of your time as well as yours. Jimmy, give you each the opportunity to say some final words or thoughts to our audience.
2: Sure. I'll, I'll go first. First of all, thank you, Q and P and, and Jimmy also for coming on here. I, I see someone's coming in my suit. I'm, I actually have to get to a court proceeding. That's why I'm wearing a monkey suit. But no, I really appreciate this is great. I think, you know, my main takeaway is we're really in exciting times. And and what I think when I look at, you know, whether it's the economic news, the political scene, where Bitcoin fits in it, every day I wake up and I, I try to see you know, not necessarily with certainty where we're moving from here, what comes next, but I just note the sort of pull push and pull between what is is the efforts of central planners to sort of delay the inevitable. And it's fascinating to me that uh, despite all the efforts to do that, to delay the inevitable, uh, um, I think it's kind of amazing how, you know, the the walls of reality seem to be closing in on every single day. And it's kind of nice, right? It's kind of nice that you figure out that you're reaching a point where you can't delay the inevitable any further, whether it's from a monetary standpoint, whether it's from these fiscal deficits, whether it's from the energy shortage that's globally, whether it's from the geopolitical instability, you're reaching sort of a a tipping point. And what what comes next, we don't know. But I do know that I want to be as passionate and as supportive I can of Bitcoin, both personally, professionally, and speaking out in the community, because I do believe that it is, uh, you know, the lifeboat so many people refer to it as. And uh, from my standpoint, stay tuned and stay plugged in because I think we're, we're, we're blessed to live an interesting time. So with that, thank you, Jimmy and, and, uh, and p and Q. I I really enjoy coming on here. And, and thanks to everybody that tunes in and listens.
3: All right, my my final word. I'm, I'm gonna tell you a story about what happened to me. Like I think it was like four years ago, and there was a guy that that wrote me almost every every week. I think he he wrote me an email every week, and the topic was he was claiming to be Satoshi, and I responded to the first one, sign with the Genesis key or GTFO. and. He took that, I guess, as meaning like he had the right to continuously email me and harass me and tell me that he's Satoshi. And why, don't, why, why don't I believe he's Satoshi or whatever? This is the kind of insanity that we're dealing with with Craig Wright. And, and I, I find it crazy that he's able to get as far as he did. And believe it or not, there still are BSV people. And they, they believe him in, to some degree and think that whatever he's doing is is right I, I personally think most of those people are mentally ill in some way and I, I i really kind of hope that they get better because it's one of the saddest things to see to to see people that are so taken in by this this extraordinary con man which to be honest it, it isn't that extraordinary because I, I feel like almost any other con man would do a better job than this one but somehow he, he, he's made a name for himself so um, that's that's the one thing I wanted to comment on. Also, the Fiat system seems to be falling apart at the very seams. I don't have really any sort of feelings about it, other than that it's nice for me as I travel because everything is cheap as an American here in Italy, for example. But yeah, it, it's I, I think we're gonna see some stuff happen. and you know what a time to be alive. What can I say?
0: Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Joe, for joining us. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. The censorship resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.